Are you breathing? Yes, yes you are! The micro-checked seersucker sits comfortably on the skin, waistband elastic to fit just right. The front, with a crease so smooth, so smooth, it oxymoronically appears sharp, and my legs, wow, my legs are enveloped in what feels to be cloth made from the heavens, and yet slim, so as not to appear slovenly. All these parts come together to evoke a sense memory of laid-back summer days, carefree and uncertain. Are, are you talking about your your new trousers? When did you <laughs> when did you even find the time to? This was my monologue. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Yes, I figured since you were incapacitated from that bite, I would take the time to discuss my newly acquired trousers to complement my constantly evolving dress attire. Anyway, we're, we're almost at the farm. The, the farm? I, I, thought you, I thought you were taking me to the hospital. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The hospital wouldn't be able to help you. These folks are nice, real God-fearing folk, and they have secret alcohol cures. Secret alcohol cures! And get this, and get this, carny folk around here too! I honestly don't know what you are talking about anymore. Sounds like your illness is progressing. We better make like a leaf and get out of here. I didn't say a word. Uh-oh. That wasn't you. Who was it? Who was it? Angel. Angel. Hey, Angel. Hey, 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 Angel. Hmm. Well, back to my monologue. Cargo pants? No. Cargo beep. Welcome to another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined by Angel. Before we get this episode underway, I wanted to check up on how one of your hobbies is going. We, we just never go back and discuss the ones we've previously discussed, simply because there's just an insane amount of hobbies, so I'm just always trying to cover more and more topics. But this one was just so interesting to me, and I just have to go back and check up on how it's been going. Many episodes ago, we discussed your fantasy athlete game you're involved in, where you draft various professional athletes for your team across all sports. 
and they are scored on a whole slew of non-sport related things. Since the season is well underway, I wanted to check in and see how the team is doing. As with all fantasy leagues, you have to have a really goofy team name. So what did yours end up being? After much deliberation, my team name uh, was called 1998 Volume 25. What's that a reference to? My high school yearbook. You graduated in 1928? You're looking good for your age. <laughs> I said 98, but that, oh, 98. Doesn't, but that still doesn't make sense. So <laughs> I distinctly heard 1928. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? That's why I was so confused. That's a better name, actually. <laughs> so Fantasy Athletes requires that you draft, at least my understanding of the game, is that you draft eight people to your team, Angel. Six are active each week and two are reserve athletes in case something happens, like a player goes to prison during that season or like Tiger Woods blowing up his legs in a car accident, things that take them out of play for the season. You said last time that Serena Williams was your top pick. Were you able to snag her? I wasn't, actually. You didn't get Serena? No, no. It was very, it was heartbreaking. Traumatic experience, I bet. Because um, you were you were pretty high on her, uh, drafting her high. Yeah, yeah. Well, with that in mind, who were you able to get on your team? I need all eight players. Jesus. Well, I can only <laughs> I can only give you a few. I got wonderful, terrific Mons Junior. <laughs> who was that? This is college football, man. <laughs> You're drafting NCAA kids? No, this is a football player. That's NCAA. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I misheard. <laughs> he, uh, he did play for the NFL. <laughs> and... Almost choked and vomited. <laughs> so, the way you phrase that, it's like he was in the NFL and then went back to college. <laughs> as, you can, as you can see, I'm very terrible at this. I got all my stats all turned around. My Excel sheets are all wrong. Do you remember at least who you drafted as number one? Meta Sandiford Artest. In what sport does he come from? Um, basketball. Basketball is was how has he been doing so far in your in your league? He's doing all right. I say all right, but I mean he's had a lot of issues in his personal life. You well, know, that's that's what you want. Like problems? I don't. Well, think... not problems, but <laughs> exactly. So it's it's not going too well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's just let's just say there's a uh, some issues with uh, uh, malnutrition of dogs and arrests were made. Anyway. Oh no! So he might be out of, out for the season. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have to <laughs> keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, you have got to have your two reserve athletes. So who are your reserve athletes? I'm glad you asked that because you know how well I keep up with these things. My 
first reserve athlete that will be taking the place of the ones that don't get drafted is my understanding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you won't believe this, but one of them is Victoria Corin Mitchell. <laughs> why, why wouldn't I believe that one? I don't know. <laughs> Probably didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I didn't because I don't know who she is. She's a poker player. Or at least oh, was. So, oh, he went to uh, professional poker mm-hmm. players. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. How, how should, well, you say was. Do we know the story there? Well, she just doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> but she, she did win uh, something. <laughs> a game? I can't find my notes. <laughs> she won a poker game. <laughs> my notes. <laughs> Hard drive failure must have been. <laughs> how about then your last reserve player? Um, last reserve player. <laughs> so my last reserve. Now, this is the bit you won't believe because it's just it's just out there. This one is Michael Van Gerwen. <laughs> I don't believe it. And what's what uh, sport is Michael part of? <laughs> Professional darts. Oh, is he mm-hmm. English? He is Dutch. Dutch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's won the uh, title in 2014, 2017, and 2019. I've seen some of those professional dart players play, and that is that is talent. Yep, yep. That is that is tough to be able to like get three triple twenties in a row. God damn. <laughs> yeah, hard. but that's not important in my mm-hmm. fantasy in your, athlete. Uh-huh. He he recently welcomed the sun back in April 2020, so that brings him up. Um, oh, so how many points did you get for the birth of a child? Um, 15. <laughs> I thought it would be uh, a lot higher than that, but, you know, I guess maybe uh, my, some athletes my, are having more children than others. My point system is a little different. I have to convert, do conversions, metric conversions, because I, uh, the units I, I, I maintain are easier for me to keep in my head. But then when I do the conversion, it, it's, it's just this whole thing. That's why I have Excel sheets, it's, you know, but they're, they're a mess right now. Uh, the Bitcoin, the mining, it's just, just ruining my computer. I think I mentioned this before in the past. So, yeah, it's just, you know, I try not to keep them open for too long. Uh, you know, one at a time. I know. <laughs> I hope you pre-ordered a new video card because you're going to need it here. <laughs> All that crap. Would you believe they're hard to find now because of the whole <laughs> because, of, because of mining. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. It's not good. Not a good start for your season. Well, hopefully then the next season we'll, we'll, we'll check back in at a later time and we'll see if the next draft goes any better than the first. So like I said, good luck for the uh, athletes in the future, but let's change our attention to some news articles that have caught my attention so we have one coming from unexplainedmysteries.com it is titled australian woman wakes up with irish accent the article goes on to say a woman from australia who underwent tonsil surgery woke up to find that her accent had completely changed angie mcgem whose accent had been distinctly australian 
up until very recently, developed an Irish twang after undergoing a routine procedure and is now unable to reclaim her original voice. I woke up with an Irish accent the day before and thought I was going to wake up from this weird dream, she said. But no, my Aussie accent's gone. According to doctors, she's suffering from what is known as foreign accent syndrome, an extremely rare condition that has only been documented around 100 times. McGann, who has never been to Ireland, initially found that while she sometimes woke up with her original accent, it would very quickly change back to Irish within a space of a few minutes. I woke up this morning and I was speaking with an Aussie accent, and I called one of my friends and confirmed... That my Aussie accent was back, she said. But during the phone call, within five to ten minutes, she could see the deterioration of my accent back to Irish. I'm not even trying. I'm completely freaked out, she said. Her original accent has since disappeared entirely. Yes, I know I need medical attention and to see doctors, but it's a struggle to find the right person to look into me and tell me what's wrong and get me back to my old self, she said. So what do you what do you make of this? loss of your voice and gaining of a, a different voice to me that's like a very scary thing to be going through i i deal with that on a daily basis uh, please expand on that well you know there are just some days where i just start suddenly start talking with a weird accent but i don't think anything of it i'm just like ah just roll with it oh i i mean i remember a time where you specifically talked like you were a charles dickens character I just thought that was a bit you were doing. <laughs> Not a bit. Can I hear a bit of that? <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> there's there's the accent I remember. <laughs> anyway. I do have a... First of all, foreign accent syndrome. Like This sounds fake to me. But I looked it up and it's very real. I don't get how this works. Because how does the brain know to do a different accent? Unless this person listens to Irish people talk? There are so many different words like that I don't even know what to say in English. How would I know how to say them in Irish with an Irish accent? <laughs> yeah, it's and this is a you know, we we've the people that wake up speaking completely different languages. <laughs> fluently and i mean i haven't looked at any reports but is it fluent or is it just like it sounds correct like i don't know the 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 details but i just think that's wild like how do you just know i know that's because to me it would it would like have to be that some sort of like language being some sort of like primordial thing in our brain but it's not because it's a learned trait <laughs> we learn it by mimicking from other people teaching us uh, how to do it. And uh, it just it boggles my mind. It's one of those like most difficult things for me to even wrap my head around of like how this even happens. Perhaps we're just only using 10% of our brains. Uh-huh. <laughs> Brain finds a way. Um, and I, if anybody wants to correct me on that. <laughs> yeah. I do have to ask, though say you got your tonsils taken out and this happened to you or some sort of traumatic experience what would your choice for an accent be it definitely probably be something southern <laughs> we didn't know not, that that's was not southern. that that's not southern though <laughs> that was just a different voice i'm doing 
I thought Colonel Sanders was over there. Uh, no. <laughs> if anything, it'd be uh, fog, foghorn, laghorn. Uh, I, 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 I say, I say, I said, look, look at me when I'm talking to you, boy. Oh, you're not gonna get that foghorn leghorn edition you just did. <laughs> mm, our other article that we have also coming from unexplainedmysteries.com. This one's titled Demi Lovato to host UFO investigation series. So it goes on. <laughs> My eyes are watering. <laughs> Go on, son. You can do it. <laughs> It's like Adam Sandler and Waterboy. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it. Mm. Lovato is certainly no stranger to the subject of you. What? No, no stranger to the subject of UFOs and an extraterrestrial visit. Has she been like abducted? I don't know. Mm. Uh, the first qu- sentence in this article, and I already have so many questions. <laughs> Levado is certainly no stranger to the subject of UFOs and extraterrestrial visitation, having previously claimed to have contacted a UFO during a recent trip to Joshua Tree with Dr. Stephen Greer. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to start talking like this from the rest of the episode on. <laughs> oh, no, you have the syndrome. <laughs> You're deteriorating. It just happens. <laughs> I don't even notice it myself. <sighs> over the... Over... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm, like, crying. <laughs> Over the past couple of months, <laughs> this conversation so stupid. <sighs> Over the past couple of months, I have dug deep into the science of consciousness and experienced not only peace and serenity like I've never known, but I also have witnessed the most incredibly profound sightings both in the sky as well as feet away from me, she wrote at the time. This planet is on a very negative path towards destruction, but we can change that together. If we were to get 1% of the population to meditate and make contact, we could force our governments to acknowledge the truth about extraterrestrial life among us and change our destructive habits, destroying our planet. The new four-part television show, which will be titled Unidentified with Demi Lovato, aims to investigate the phenomenon and will feature interviews with experts and eyewitnesses. Follow Demi and her skeptical best friend Matthew and her sister Dallas as they help uncover the truth about the UFO phenomena. The synopsis reads, While consulting with leading experts, Demi, Dallas, and Matthew will investigate recent eyewitness encounters, uncover secret government reports, and conduct tests at known UFO hotspots. No details have been released so far on when the new show will air. So what do you make of this, Angel? We have Demi Lovato uncovering secret government reports. I think the only logical thing is to have her on as a guest on our show. So, Demi, if you're listening, you're welcome here. What do you think of her idea of getting a like mass meditation to 
make con like I guess force contact at that point. I don't. I guess I, I'm not clear on the instructions, but I guess the idea is that <laughs> is that the population all acts together, our brain waves connect, and something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, receives that signal on the other end. Yeah, um, I believe it's all bollocks, but more power to her. <laughs> and, and I want to, I guess, know why one percent of the population. Why, why is that trigger? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a scientific fact that one percent of the population, if asked to focus their brain energies, they will send out spiritual frequencies out into the universe, and hopefully the spiritual plane will respond in kind. I wasn't saying it, the idea was bollocks because uh-huh. the spiritual plane is not a thing. I was saying bollocks because the spiritual plane hates us. Mm-hmm. And they will not do anything with us humans. Assumption that it's going to be a positive <laughs> response. And then at the at the same time, though, why are we just limiting ourselves to UFOs? I mean, we could 1% ourselves to John Titer. We could. And we get could, the answers we need. We could 1% ourselves to other... Time uh, world we lines. Bigfoot. We could one percent ourselves to Bigfoot to <laughs> like to everything on our show. <laughs> yeah, uh, anything that uh, that our brains can think of, really. Who could? I mean, the one percent is the way. I think I'm a convert to the one percent. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all become the one percent. <laughs> it's 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 the American dream. <laughs> With those world-shattering news articles out of the way. Let us turn our attention to our entity at hand, Angel. One of the surprising themes with the entities this season has been with the names that end up being given to them. As we have seen, the naming of an entity is vital to its overall aura. For instance, we talked at length in the Van Meter Visitor episode about how Chad Lewis, non-NFL player Chad Lewis, which I'm surprised didn't draft Chad Lewis, specifically wanted a non-threatening name for that entity. No, I'm thinking about fancy athlete, and I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm thinking of drafting the author. So, Chad Lewis. <laughs> I misdrafted. I, I got the author instead of the player. <laughs> <laughs> then it turns into like a um, series of events where you have to get Chad Lewis on a major, <laughs> major league team. <laughs> so he qualifies. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Names give you a surface-level expectation of the entity, at least I believe. This week's may be the ultimate test of that angel, the Hopkinsville Goblins. What is your first impression of that name? Presumably, I would figure that it happened somewhere in Hopkinsville, and there's goblins involved. (laughs) Goblins being, I don't know, I picture... Like tiny little creatures that, uh, for some reason, I imagine they're, they're carrying around like gardening tools, like hook p- pitchforks and, and things like that. But it doesn't have to be that. Why gardening tools? I don't know. Is <laughs> it just the thing? Just <laughs> you goblins, goblins with, with gardening? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying goblin, uh, farmers are goblins or anything like that. I would never. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you would never, because that's absurd. <laughs> Farmers are not goblins. <laughs> the, the thing that I think of going in a completely different direction than yours is we have 
a Goblin King angel. Do you know who that is? David Bowie? David Bowie. <laughs> I picture David Bowie walking into Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and people just being <laughs> confused as shit. <laughs> that, like, what's this guy doing? He's got a crazy hairdo, really tight silver outfit on, and he's throwing around a baby. <laughs> yeah, well, that's still pretty, pretty <laughs> scary. <laughs> then he sings a song about magic. These things might as damn well be named the Hopkinsville Visitors Angel or the Hopkinsville Rapscallions. Because <laughs> Goblins is by far the, the biggest misnomer I have seen yet. Once we see what this story encapsulates, it's like, <laughs> these ain't Goblins. <laughs> and whoever named them <laughs> should look in a dictionary at what a goblin is. The book Architects of the Underworld, Unriddling Atlantis, Anomalies of Mars, and the Mystery of the Sphinx by Bruce Rucks in 1996, besides having a title of seemingly a cornucopia of unrelated things, gives us one of the most thorough descriptions of the Hopkinsville goblins. They are described as being three or three and a half feet tall, with large round eyes on each side of its head that glowed yellow. The being itself shone silver, as if lighted from within. Its head was bald and egg-shaped, narrowing to a pointed chin with a horizontal slit for a mouth, a conical nose tapering to a point with a ball on the end of it, and enormous elephant-like ears. Its body was thin, with an oversized, muscular-looking upper torso and arms so long they practically dragged on the ground with long, taloned hands. Its legs were short spindles, with no feet, just suction cup-like endings. One critical feature, almost never mentioned in written reports, but invariably in any rendering taken from the witness's testimony, are two antennae on top of the head, Bruce Rucks concludes. What do you make of this, Angel? Because the first thing I think of is that these goblins were skipping leg day and just focused on that upper chest game, all show and no discipline in the gym. What do you make of it? I am noticing a few differences of the way these things are described. Mm -hmm. So in this other book I've looked at called the Kelly Hopkinsville UFO and Alien Shootout by George Dudding, he writes, later, Mrs. Langford, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure will come up, come up later later mrs langford described the creature and said it looked like a shiny silver five gallon kerosene can with a head attached and supported by two skinny legs first of all your description was much was wildly different too very very different from this where's the muscles mrs langford i'm, I'm picturing like a claymation thing with legs just walking around like doing a little dance I don't know why these descriptions are so different. This one said it had <laughs> suction cup feet. <laughs> I tore the suction cup feet. Where is anything that was mentioned? <laughs> There's no mention of antenna. Elephant ears. That's a pretty descriptive thing of ears. Elephant ears. No mention of it glowing or anything like that. I don't. I don't know. I'm feeling maybe maybe I'm I've been ripped off. I I paid good money for this book. <laughs> Demand a refund. <laughs> She's saying it's kerosene containers, and this guy over here has gotten 
a dissertation on <laughs> how to use a thesaurus. <laughs> Other descriptions such as by this absolutely ominous book I found called Mysterious Events Part 1 with the initials NN on the front and no indication no other indication of who wrote this who published it or where the hell it even came from Google Books just had absolutely nothing about anything on it <laughs> it was just a scanned cover of the book which was just a red cover that said Mysterious Events Part 1 with the initials NN but it goes on to state their legs were said to be almost in a state of atrophy and that the creatures appeared silver in color or were wearing something metallic. Their movement on occasion seemed to defy gravity with them floating above the ground and appearing in high up places. And they walked with a swaying motion as though wading through water. So we have possible levitation through air. What do you make of that? In all of my research and pop culture knowledge of goblins none of them <laughs> levitate i've played a shit ton of dungeons and dragons and i've never ran a levitating goblin which might have to change now <laughs> yeah i don't understand how these names stick goblins and what levitation? was going back on in the 50s where like <laughs> that that explained a goblin <laughs> Well, there's another there's another uh, alternative name for these things called the Kelly Greenmen case. Which, I mean, they're silver. <laughs> they're silver. <laughs> so here's the problem I have with the names. Hopkinsville Goblins implies that this, uh, this occurred in Hopkinsville. But it's, it's actually <laughs> happening in Kelly, which is where the Kelly Greenmen thing comes and from. Kelly Green is a color. Kelly Green, yeah. So apparently the journalists went with green men for like little green men like aliens. And they said, hey, the town's name is Kelly. So let's do Kelly Green as a pun. But that's just pure stupidity, I think, because it's like, stop trying to be, stop trying to make puns. You're trying to report on some news because now people are thinking these things look green when there's no green in the description in any of these stories, <laughs> even the kerosene can thing. Like it's silver, it's metallic, there's no green in there. I don't understand why they do these things. This is just to confuse the shit out of us. So knowing what the heck these things may look like, depending on which source you read, <laughs> let us see where they came from. It's that time, Angel, everyone's favorite axiom, Cotton Eye Joe's Razor, that one that states that if someone comes from somewhere, it must therefore go somewhere. So grease back that hair, Angel. Get on your leather jacket, those tight and stiff denim jeans, and your thumb in an upright position. We are actually traveling back into time to the happy days. To 1955. Hey, Are you ready? Is the mitochondria the powerhouse of the cell? God. Specifically, we are going to the night of August 21st, 1955. The Sutton family living in Kelly, near Hopkinsville, Kentucky, begins their night from hell around 7 p.m. According to the Architects of the Underworld book, the household consisted of 11 people. Eight adults and three children between the ages of seven and 50. 
Family friend Billy Ray Taylor ventures outside the house to gather water at the well, as the house did not have running water. Billy Ray then reports seeing a very large, shining disc-shaped object in the sky. All the colors of the rainbow, he's quoted as saying, landing nearby. He then rushes back to the house, tells the family that he saw a flying saucer, and they're like, you stupid idiot, it was probably a shooting star. So put yourself in Billy Ray's shoes, Angel, going to the well to get something to drink. 7 p.m., you're trying to cool down in a hot Kentucky night, and you see a descending UFO. What do you do? I dive into the well. <laughs> you jump in the well? <laughs> yeah. I I can't think, so I say, oh, got better hop in. And you die when you hit the ground. <laughs> the well, there's the water well. in there, so so maybe maybe not, maybe not, <laughs> maybe maybe not. Depending on how how well the aquifer system's doing <laughs> in that part of Kentucky. Well, one of the, the things is, about both of these stories is that they love to the, mention that the well water was very tasty. They do. Yes. <laughs> And, you know, I got to support books that support the well system of Kentucky. I mean, sometimes <laughs> you just can't have municipal water. It, you get lower taxes when you got well water because you're not piping in those those city pipes with your uh, chlorine and fluoride. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on the fluoride. <laughs> so you just jump in the well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. As we're, as we're about to see, that probably would have been Billy's best option to just jump in the well. <laughs> so aliens and UFOs are a very stigmatized subject, I think. Is there a way to tell people you just saw a UFO and, I don't know, not sound crazy or that you're joking? I think I do. I think, well, first of all, the term UFO is it just has a negative connotation. Even though it means unidentified flying objects. The moment you say UFO, everyone instantly thinks aliens. So, first of all, I wouldn't use that term anymore. Simple as that. Just say, there's something strange yeah. in the sky. Uh, you're right. The moment you utter the, the three letters UFO, then you've already probably lost that person you're talking to. And they've mm -hmm. already, they're already judging what you're saying based on that alone. I think is a fair statement to say. So, you just say... You just, you would just, as he says, like, I saw something in the sky, all the colors in the rainbow. It was really effing strange. You think <laughs> that would have gotten probably a better response from the family? I mean, it didn't, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's the only way I would have gone with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say UFO when, you're, when you see a UFO. So, pretty much an hour passes without incident. Everyone begins to forget about Billy's UFO until the entire family begins to hear strange noises outside the house. The family dog begins barking wildly at presumably some sort of intruder. The barking stops and the dog runs to cower underneath the house where it is reported that it stayed there until the next day. Billy Ray and Elmer Sutton, also known as Lucky Sutton, went out with guns in hand to investigate the matter. And I'm already, Angel, having a Van Meter visitor flashback. Guns in hand. <laughs> yep. It's the first thing you got to do. <laughs> the two men then claimed they saw a strange creature emerge from the woods 
and when it was within 20 feet, they began shooting at it with a shotgun <laughs> and a 22 rifle. They reported a noise sounding like bullets being rattled about in a metal drum. The creature then flipped over and fled into the darkness. The architect of the Underworld book expands on this interaction a little bit and states, When hit by bullets or blasts, they, being the creatures, dropped to all fours and locomoted away at tremendous speed, their arms <laughs> doing most of the work. Angel, you shoot at it. Within the context of what Billy Ray says he saw an hour earlier is a floating alien that they shot. It then choo-choo trains away on the ground at breakneck <laughs> speeds, your bullets seemingly doing nothing. What do you do in response? Well, if I've already shot at it and it's nothing's happening, I need to shoot at it with bigger <laughs> bigger uh, weaponry. You, you, you're sort. going the, um, the Jaws route? You need a bigger gun? <laughs> Yeah. Or bigger um, boat. <laughs> I'd like to point out that according to that book I mentioned earlier, that in that part where the, uh, they're shooting at it, it says Mrs. Langford was standing in a doorway and asked Elmer and Billy Ray not to shoot the approaching creature. So then <laughs> what? right immediately afterwards, both men stepped into the yard to meet the oncoming humanoid and then fired several rounds. <laughs> They said, shut up, Mrs. Langford. We're going to shoot this thing. I take no heed at your word, Langford. I shoot. <laughs> she specifically asked them not to, and they do it. Oh, my yep. God. I didn't know about that at all. That changes everything. Because the way it was presented in the, the, the Architects of the Underworld book, they, mm -hmm. like, they presented it like Billy and Elmer were going out there like, effing heroes ready to protect the farm <laughs> and this changes it completely because they're being asked not to shoot and disobey that lady's request and just start shooting yep they use somebody salmon so with that in mind then though lucky and billy they return back to the house and they then saw one of the goblins upon the awning of the porch so then can you guess what they did next well if they see it it I figured they're going to shoot at it. Light it, light it up again. <laughs> light that bitch up is what they did. <laughs> Recalling the incident, they said when the bullets hit the creature, it fell from the awning, but the bullets once again made that noise like they hit metal. Also, rather than falling from the house in a traditional sense of the word, it floated down to the ground and then choo-choo trained away. It scurried away. <laughs> like, what do you make of the whole floating thing? Like, it was specifically stated that they like fell slowly <laughs> i mean it goes back to the whole levitating thing but i i just got an image in my head this doesn't make any sense because it can't be done but i just had an image in my head of somebody like holding like a, a fishing rod with a string and something attached at the end and that's how it's doing the floating and it's just moving up and down <laughs> it's moving magic with lines <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I I have no idea. I've I've been trying. I've as I've read this story, I've been trying to figure out like, is there any animal that kind of looks like it floats when it does anything? And I just can't picture anything. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just so confusing the way that they explain it. Like my first thought was like like some sort of anti gravity field. Like it got <laughs> shot and like just sort of floated like a feather down to the ground and and then scurried away. It's it's very like astonishingly confusing. I think. Mm-hmm. And not <laughs> and to the, mention that getting shot is not doing anything to it. I know. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it just makes it run away. It clearly did not die. Yeah. Which, my first thought, very concerning. I just shot this thing a few feet away from me, and it's not dead. <laughs> like, yep. oh shit. That's an oh shit moment. <laughs> At this point, it is clear that this ain't just some wood goblins visiting these people. This is a full-blown alien invasion. The men <laughs> then ran inside the house, bolted the doors, the look on their faces shocking the rest of the family. It then turns into a four-hour-long siege of the house. I need your expert alien analysis here, Angel. You are being sieged by alien forces. You have fallen back to your house in a final stand. This is your Alamo. The little (laughs) goblins are slowly hovering towards you. Very, very slowly hovering towards you. What are the top five items that somebody needs in an alien siege? Drawing from all of the pop culture that I know. Mm-hmm. And we, we consume a lot of it. <laughs> and first, uh, first item to me is having various cups of uh, varying <laughs> levels of water strewn about the house. Um, secondly, having a former baseball player with us. Okay. Yep. Third, this is going. <laughs> having a little girl that's got some sort of psychic ability that somehow is planting all these cups of water. Mm-hmm. She's like foreseeing it, maybe. Four, we need Melly Gibsons. <laughs> Melly? Melly Gibsons? Melly Gibsons. I've been watching a lot of Kim Peel. I'm sorry. And. Number five, a big old shotgun. <laughs> well, number five I have an issue with because it's not working. It's clearly oh. not working for the Sutton family, that shotgun. They needed but all it the makes them shit. it makes them oh. run away. I guess maybe all of it combined then. It's mm-hmm. like a Captain mm-hmm. Planet moment. All your forces combined, you can kill mm-hmm. the alien siege. <laughs> it is said at this point that J.C. Sutton saw one of the creatures peeping through the window. And JC and Billy Ray then unleashed a bullet storm upon it, shooting out the window. The creature then backflipped away like the others, and Choo Choo trained away. It ran away. So good or good, <laughs> good move or bad move, Angel. They blew out their own window. I just think they're doing more damage <laughs> to their property than anything else. My first thought is they blew the window out. Now the Aliens have a like a new entryway to get through yeah. through the shattered window. <laughs> Not a good move. <laughs> For the next four hours, they hear scratching on the roof and walls, peering through the windows. The creatures are, and then popping up at the door in even what was said to be a playful manner. They described it as a playful manner. Yet each time, the family responded with gunfire. <laughs> After four hours, the family, in a hysterical state, fled the house. 
made a run for it to their cars, and drove to the Hopkinsville police station. Do you think, Angel, you could withstand a four-hour alien siege? Uh, I... Listen, I've... I'm a level-headed person. These things, once again, just like the Van Meter Visitor, these things have not attacked at all. They have not done any kind of damage whatsoever. I'm pretty sure I could withstand this alien siege. <laughs> you can you can deal with the, the Kelly Greenman uh, because, my God, we don't even know what they want. They were just looking at the house. <laughs> Maybe like they the wanted to buy visitor. it. Yeah. <laughs> this is A plus real estate right here. I heard you have really good well water. Shit, we need that. <laughs> the family then returned back home with over a dozen law enforcement officers, military police, and even a freaking news reporter. One, because you gotta have the news reporter. One officer noted on the way out there of a strange shower of meteors that came from the direction of the Sutton farmhouse that made a swishing sound and a noise like artillery fire. What do you make of those noises? Like uh, artillery fire? Well, this the military's there, no? <laughs> I guess. But like the this, what's a swishing sound in relation to meteors? No, I. This is this is where I'm. In our previous episodes, where we it just turns out that it was a newspaper making stuff up about calling mm-hmm. the military and stuff like that. In this situation, it seems yeah. like this really happened. Mm-hmm. And this is in in the fifties, nineteen fifty five. So I just think it's so weird. I don't think I can call the police today and say, "Hey, I've got aliens. Get me the military," and they'll be like, "Okay, sure." Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, over a dozen law enforcement responded, and the way that it was presented was that the the sheriff was like, "I know these people; they're not messing around. Like these are the type of people that they don't they don't go to the police for help. Mm-hmm. They shoot first and then deal with the situation <laughs> is, if there's any ramifications." Just, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh shit!" So that's when the sheriff was like, "Oh my god." Oh shit! Oh my god! Moment here, and and they he was like, we gotta go. Like this has to be true. That's sort of how good of a reputation that the family had. So yeah. it's like a reverse hinterkaifeck murder. Like yeah. these people actually, the, the well town liked these community. people. <laughs> Upon return to the house, there was no sight of the goblins. Empty shell casings and the bullet-ridden house proved something actually went on here. But after invest- an investigation, there was nothing the police could do. So they ended up just leaving. So post, <laughs> like, they just, everyone just went on with their day then, or on with their night. So post-alien invasion, do you think you could go to sleep? Because that's what the family did. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, my, I got my house is all shot up. From my crazy ass brothers or, or whatever, and yeah, it's time to go to sleep, guys. That's fine. It's bedtime the cops, now. Cops didn't find anything, so we're good. Yeah, I'm gonna. That sounds like a good time to go to bed. <laughs> like, I think my heart would have fallen out of my chest after all that, but hey, they're going to sleep. So the, the family tried to, but Glennie Lankford, Lucky Sutton's mother, saw one of the creatures peeping through the window at about 2:30 a.m. They were back. 
The goblins were back. Glenny tried to tell her son to attempt peaceful communications with the creatures. As she noted, they never tried to attack them or even really <laughs> enter the house. So she was apparently the most observational of the family. Uh-huh. Lucky was having none of that and just continued the shooting. The goblins oh just sort of waited outside the house with no obvious purpose and then left. I, again, call on your alien expertise, Angel. How would you initiate peaceful communications with aliens you just spent four freaking hours shooting at? I, 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 I guess I wouldn't. <laughs> you just keep shooting. It, it worked so well the first time, I'm going to keep doing it. This, this was clearly a test by those aliens. They said, we're going to visit some random family. And if they can accept us for who we are, we will reveal to them the secrets of everything. And then they're getting shot. Like, oh, forget mm-hmm. it. These guys. We'll give them one more chance. Mm-hmm. No, they're <laughs> still shooting at us. <laughs> it's like the Philadelphia Experiment episode where they talked about how the interdimensional alien technology uh, yeah. helped advance us so much. This was our moment to shine. And all mm-hmm. those aliens are like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They got to just stop visiting trigger-happy families. I know. I mean, (laughs) stay out of the Midwest and the South, apparently. Got to try different areas. (laughs) Go go outside of America, I guess. (laughs) We've obviously shown we can't handle this situation. Yeah. In all, four boxes of twenty-two ammunition was shot that night so if we're saying that a box is at least 50 bullets that's 200 rounds of ammunition shot that night so clearly clearly there was something going on that this family just was deathly afraid of it to unleash that many rounds of fire the family said there are at least 11 to 15 of the creatures that night but just as they had appeared the goblins vanished so where did they go and there is no indication at all that I could find that stated the creatures ever came back. However, I was watching a show called UFO Witness on Discovery Plus, and they interviewed Lucky Sutton's daughter, Geraldine. She says that she was approached by somebody who had a friend that had knowledge of where the goblins went. She was told that the UFO took off from the home, but for some reason crash-landed about three miles from the farm and was picked up by military personnel. So, does that explain our artillery fire? Yeah, I mean, case closed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She also mentioned in her book, The Kelly Greenman, that when she was a child, her father brought her to look at the spot that the UFO supposedly landed, and the grass was still burnt over a decade later when she saw it. So something physically affected the land there, is her claim. So however, in the UFO Witness show, Geraldine is with the host of that show, and they go back to the property to look at it, because he's looking for evidence that it really happened. And she did not mention once that she had seen where it had landed, because the whole, like, a later half of the episode is the guy, like, looking through the woods, trying to plot out where this thing landed. It, it was not included in what made it to air, and if that's the case, that that's a glaringly left-out portion of her recollection of events or her understanding of the events told to her by her father 
if she at one point wrote that she saw where it landed, she should therefore know where it occurred and she went back at a later time. Uh, so that was sort of something yeah. that did not click with me. Geraldine did say, though, in the show that two weeks later, her grandmother sold the farm and the entire family moved away. So what do you sort of make of the, Geraldine's input on this entire encounter? The problem I have is even though Geraldine is Lucky's daughter, I don't think she most of what she's uh knows is what was told to her. Mm-hmm. And and she wasn't um I don't know if she was alive when it happened or if she was just She was young. not. She was okay. not born yet. Yeah, she was so so yeah, she there's just because you're related to the person doesn't mean you know what really went down, especially mm-hmm. when you're being told what happened. I mean, who knows what really happened? It could have been some giant family secret, and they made up this story. Mm-hmm. And and the best way to propagate that story is to tell the youngins the same stuff mm-hmm. instead of the, what really happened. Yeah, though the way uh, my understanding of it in that book, she states that she learned of it when uh, people came to the house and started asking uh, Lucky and his uh, wife questions about it and the kids that were there were all like well what the hell are they talking about dad and Mm -hmm. like that's when she learned because the they never told the kids about this at all that this experience ever occurred so it was like a family secret to the new family members but everyone else around town knew of the insanity that occurred yeah which is a very interesting sort of like take on it. Like the, it was just kept secret from the kids. Yeah. Something that definitely traumatized the family that mm-hmm. they weren't going to speak about it until, you know, they were pressed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So there are several theories that I have found that might explain what happened that night. So the first one that I have titled is called It Was All True. So the idea here is that the family was indeed visited by aliens. It all happened. Do you believe, Angel, that that is the case? I believe something happened. Mm-hmm. Whether it was aliens or not, it, not not so much. I don't know what happened that night. But I, I, I'm also not, I guess, not being there. There's no, there's no evidence of like what occurred. It's just a story. Yeah. I guess there's evidence of what they have told people what the police did of their investigation and things like that but there's no there's nothing related like there's no hard evidence of what happened so it's hard to say it was aliens like it's hard for me to make that jump one thing i find very intriguing is all the gunfire that went on Mm -hmm. and nobody got hurt yeah 200 rounds even even by accident and they were shooting in the house yeah that's insanity the Next theory is called Not My Circus, Not My Monkeys. So in the book, The Architects of the Underworld, it mentions the absolute best theory ever of anything, I think. So it says, it has been suggested that monkeys had escaped from a local circus, and that was what the family was seeing. However, despite (laughs) that claim, there were no reports of circuses being anywhere close to that town. The book has the line, Despite the fact that no circus was around, that monkeys do not glow in the dark or have lit up eyes, that no animal carcass of any kind was found in the vicinity of the farmhouse, uh, is sort of their claim that it probably wasn't monkeys. Uh, What do you think about this theory, Angel? Well, let's uh, sidestep what I think, and I'm going to go straight to the source from Geraldine's book. 
she has a, a chapter titled The Theories, in which I thought she was going to talk about the th- possible theories or like her take on what mm-hmm. really happened. But it's based on what I've read. She really believes this thing happened as it as what as is. So the theories chapter is actually her um, rambling on and ranting about how how people perceive uh, Kentuckians as backwards and and um, stere- and they're stereotyped. And she likes to point out that even though Kentucky has got the best uh, medical school and the best uh, some uh, colleges, whatever, and and, and, and well water. And great tasting well water. So she says this about the monkeys theory. And by the way, her writing is has been said to be written in a way uh, as, as she speaks. So, so it's going to come off as very informal here. The monkeys, let's see here. Monkeys can be three foot or taller. But same as the owl and cat. No dropping, no rolling, no floating. So that she's referring to the fact that a monkey is not gonna float like the the, yeah. the goblins did, mm-hmm. or drop, which is like they did like this weird flipping every time they got mm-hmm. shot at, and the rolling part. I'm assuming that's the choo choo, you the choo choo train. train away. <laughs> yep, as they get shot. So it says no dropping, no rolling, no floating. Bang, kaboom, you're dead. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> There had been a circus go through, and it was said that maybe some of the monkeys had escaped, but that was never confirmed. Let's be honest, if the little men had been any kind of living creature that roams our earth, there would have been little bodies covering the entire farm. Straight from her words. I mean, I also think of it as, so say if it was monkeys, can you imagine you're just in your house, and you get besieged by 12 monkeys, and you keep shooting them for four hours, and they're not dying? These these are some powerful monkeys. Planet like, of the Apes just started. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, what's that movie? Is it Congo with Amy? <laughs> Amy, love yes. you. <laughs> <laughs> with the gray, yeah. the gray gorilla things, whatever the hell they were. And Tim Curry. Yes, as a bad man. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have anything else to say about Congo? No. <laughs> I thought that was leading to something. <laughs> no, just the, just those gray gorilla things uh, seemed unkillable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess they were. <laughs> the last theory that I saw is I have titled "Bird is the Word Theory" and "Damn it, Angel." <laughs> this comes up seemingly every single every single episode. The idea for this one, brought up by the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, is that the goblins were actually either eagle owls or great horned owls the explanation being that they are typically aggressive creatures who defend their nests wildly which is an an explanation for why they kept going after the house that they were aggressively defending their nests so i i need to hear what you have to say about bird is the word i'll I'll give you my opinion and i'll give you geraldine's (laughs) opinion geraldine says that's a no-go because (laughs) how come nobody mentioned how come nobody mentioned the wings? Mm-hmm. And I'm I, I agree, but also my opinion is why are owls in every damn thing? Are, I, I'm I'm starting to think that they really are behind it all because Mothman, Band Meter, what else was it? Snallygaster. They captured Snallygaster. an owl and like put oh it on God. trial, basically. 
And now this, it's like, I think the owl is just behind it all now. Like, maybe the skeptics are right. The owls are these resilient creatures that can't be killed. And then they, when you see them, they're, they're warning you. And then they're going to swallow you up like the stakini and all kinds of craziness, mm. nonsense. And the, the idea that just doesn't make sense in relation to bird is the word theory for me is that so these animals aggressively defend their nests. But the house was already there. They've already <laughs> been living there for years. Did at some point in time, like 15 owls build nests in around the house and then all lay eggs in like one single night? And then they're like, oh shit, these people are walking out of the house because uh, Billy Ray went to go get some water and then all the, hell breaks loose. <laughs> like, that makes no sense. The well water was <laughs> actually the source. <laughs> it made them aggressive. Of- <laughs> the, the the water that Billy Ray drank was uh, the catalyst because it unleashed all kind of hell on everyone. Just like owl pheromones in the well water in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any other theories what went down in this night in 1955 that made it not so happy days for the Sutton family? I think these things are the same things that visited all these other places before. Van mm-hmm. Meter and the Snallygaster. You know, sometimes aggressive, sometimes not. But in this situation, there was more like they were more like the Van Meter visitor. They were just there to observe. They just wanted to look at things. This s- interdimensional being. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because, it, and they exhibit the, they exhibit the same... It's more similar behavior to the Van Meter visitor than any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. They they glow, they're impervious yeah, to bullets, exactly. exactly. Um, and they're just looking at through windows. <laughs> yeah, they're just really <laughs> freaking interested in houses, and buildings. Mm-hmm. They they love architecture. <laughs> Maybe they're from a two dimensional dimension, and they don't understand three-dimensional buildings and they have to investigate it very awkwardly and then they get shot at i mean i don't know that's why that's why every time they appear they look weird to us because they don't know how to make themselves look uh, normal because it's like 3d what what do we need Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like that episode of simpsons uh homer becomes like a 3d entity at like the very end and like it's sucked down into like a gravity well of Mm-hmm. animation that was that was them entering our dimension <laughs> another thing you brought up the simpsons that reminded me that i had thought of the, another simpsons episode where we were discussing the these creatures uh when um mr burns is like coming out of the woods and he's glowing oh yeah and yep. just thinks he's like an alien <laughs> next to the mall that's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Don't they find like an? I don't know if it's the same episode, but don't they find like an alien, like a skeleton or something, next to the mall? I think that's the same episode, and I think it's an angel. I, I know that episode. I don't know if it's the same one, but I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> and then and then Burns shows up, yeah, as the angel, and they're like, oh, it's the angel, and he just got like <laughs> radioactively charged. <laughs> And then he was like taking some medication. <laughs> so his eyes were super dilated. Yeah. Yep. 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 Simpsons Classic. did it. Simpsons did it. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, then, and I, I agree with your theory. I mean, the one, 
the more and more that we look at this stuff, like I, I do believe that there is some sort of like extra dimensional shit going on in the world <laughs> as a good way to just explain stuff that's going on that <laughs> other dimensions is becoming very, very real to me. <laughs> I do want to ask though, and I don't know if this has ever come up in the previous episodes that we've done or really anything that we've talked about before, but do you generally believe in aliens? Um, like Mulder, I want to believe, <laughs> you know, I used to, I used to look up at the skies when I was younger to see if I can catch a glimpse of a UFO. Cause I always hear about people seeing things, but I would never see anything. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. Why am I not special? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so until then, you know, it's like, I'm sure it's possible, but right now I haven't seen anything. So mm-hmm. this is one of those areas where I'm, I think that the universe is so vast that I don't need necessarily proof of it existing. Mm-hmm. I do believe that somewhere out there, there is other alien life, either on par or that exceeds our level of civilization or intelligence or however you want to word that. But in this specific instance, I do not think it was aliens. Something definitely went down that night, but yeah. I don't know if aliens would have been the proper term to apply here. But it's just some sort of unexplained occurrence, um, which I have no... There's there's just so little evidence besides eyewitness testimony. And yeah, eyewitness testimony is a very sketchy thing. It's a very real sketchy thing of people remembering things and describing things that they saw in that moment being altered by their own memory. So with that being said, let us enter the rubric of power. How did you rank the powers of another impervious to bullets <laughs> semi-flying creature. <laughs> um, before I get into that, I want to add one more thing about the name the Hopkinsville Goblins from uh, um, Geraldine's book. This is, uh, and I quote from Billy Ray. Mama, damn it, I'm not being silly. We just saw something out there and it doesn't look like anything from this world. Maybe a goblin. Oh, so he does name. He's the one that name drops the goblin. Yep, yep. So I think he was just throwing something out there, and then it just stuck. <laughs> He's like in the moment, like I got the jitters. I got the naming jitters. What is it? A, g- g- a goblin. <laughs> I want to know what the hell Lucky was. It was Lucky that stated that, or is it Billy Ray? Uh, Billy Billy Ray. I want to know what what material was Billy Ray reading in his life or what what life occurrences occurred that the first thing he thought of was goblin <laughs> <laughs> maybe but goblin uh publications were a little bit different in the 50s no no <laughs> according to some wiki uh, was it wikipedia i forgot something mentioned that the goblin moniker was because their uh, goblins and gremlins were very um had the same features and i'm like no they don't not any of the features that were described, so I don't know where they got that from. But yeah, I mean, maybe he never read Tolkien's Hobbit, which released <laughs> in thirty-seven, and he didn't know exactly what a a proper goblin was, because <laughs> he, goddammit, is the authority on goblins. And so now we turn to this 
the power thing. And I think I've mentioned this before in another episode, but I'm going to say it again. These creatures that are having these similar powers that are impervious to bullets and, and flying. I, and this has like, been completely unintentional as far as the creatures that we've looked at. Yeah, I, I, I feel like they keep diminishing yeah. my yeah. my view of them because it's like, oh, another one that has the same thing. Okay. <laughs> so I had to write, uh, I wrote down stuff that was unique to this thing. I mean, I have impervious to bullets, but, uh, and, fl- and, hit, and, gliding or yeah, floating floating yeah. but so i have here clawed hands there's a mention of clawed hands at some point glowing metallic like flesh mm-hmm. i mean in a marvel universe this is a colossus combined with wolverine <laughs> yeah with the uh, floating powers of Jean gray or something like that <laughs> so I wonder, does this thing float from telekinesis or is it just like a special flying ability? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sometimes the things with like the, I guess the idea is that like the brain power of aliens is so strong that they have unlocked telekinesis, like the, the, mm-hmm. pow- the power to control your surroundings with your brain. With their little suction cup legs, I would hope <laughs> that their brain can help them. Can you imagine your little suction cup legs uh, get stuck on something? <laughs> On an, on an alien planet, and then you're, like, screwed? I mean, they have to evolve to have telekinesis so that they could avoid that. Yeah, yeah. Because there is no show of power, mm-hmm. and because I've mentioned it before again, that the aggressive creatures tend to score higher. Mm-hmm. I think we know where we're going with this. I gave this one a, a, a two in power. It's adequate. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's there. <laughs> Besides not showing any use of its abilities that's all i can say about Mm -hmm. it maybe it was so strong it didn't want to unleash its powers because it would have (laughs) nuked the sutton family (laughs) and they felt bad yeah (laughs) and they were they're saying oh they're still using uh uh lead based uh, projectiles projectiles. (laughs) stupid humans For me, the like the way it was described, the levitation part of it wasn't. It's not quite flying, and mm-hmm. it's not the super fast speeds of flying normally attributed. Like I always say, so um, I thought it was neat that it was just levitation. Like that's kind of cool. Uh, that's a new one, and you know the impervious to bullets. Of course, that's that's becoming ordinary. So it's not like <laughs> it, as you said, it's not supernatural anymore. It's just it's just natural. <laughs> um, and, so I ended up falling on a 2.33 repeating infinitely. Oh, God. <laughs> How about detectability? Okay, so this one is kind of tricky. Billy Ray sees the this, this rainbow-colored UFO thing. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they're being accosted or assaulted by these creatures. 15, possibly, or just two coming back and forth <laughs> i don't know if there's two or 15 of them again eyewitness encounters very sketchy to believe sometimes uh-huh and there's and 11 family members that can collaborate their story there yeah so yeah these were all being seen by them but then nobody once it, it all ended nobody else has seen it and to this day there are people still holding on hope that these things will return Mm-hmm. So, 
So there hasn't been seen any anything since. So I don't know what to rate this because it's like they were seen, but then they're not seen anymore. So I kind of, I kind of uh, veer towards a higher score just because it's like, it's like one of those situations where you're led into a room because you're being initiated into the secret society, mm-hmm. and in order for you to, um, in order to make sure that if you were to spill the the secrets to somebody. They make it so that everything is so outlandish that nobody would believe you, mm-hmm. right? Like, like you go into the a secret room to get initiated, and in the corner you see a Nazi dressed up as Hitler or something eating a sandwich, and then in another corner you see some guy dressed up as Aristotle. So then they you do the thing, and then if you go out and say, "Hey guys, I was in this room with with Nazi Hitler and Aristotle," people are gonna be like, yeah. "You're insane, yeah. dude!" And the third corner was Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like okay so i think this is what's happening here where it's like this thing happened to these family and since these things were never seen the bodies were never found and, and they never returned people are just like i guess these the suttons are crazy or whatever mm-hmm. and that's and that's how it ended up being so that being said i give it a detectability of three dang so i'm uh one of these scenarios where I'm completely on the other end of the spectrum here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, do you know of the scale of encounters for aliens? So there, there's an, an actual very specific scale. I'm sure once I mention it, you will 100% understand it. But do you know of the ranking? No. Okay. So, there is an encounter scale, and it is of three tiers. An encounter oh. of the first kind is seeing a UFO in the sky. An encounter mm-hmm. of the second kind is seeing evidence of a crashed or landed one. So in this instance, like Billy Ray had the encounter of the first kind. In the aftermath of everything years later, you could say Geraldine had an encounter of the second kind because she saw remnants of the UFO landing with the burnt grass that was still there. So yeah. some sort of propulsion system or whatever in the UFO was so powerful, it like left its mark on the earth for years uh, to come. So an encounter of the third kind is a face-to-face interaction like the family ended up having. And encounter of the third kind is like the holy grail of alien encounters. And it happened like an hour after these things landed. (laughs) It was like instantly straight to encounter of the third kind. There was absolutely no evidence of these creatures trying to hide themselves at all. And if we take into account what Geraldine said, that the ship was then shot down and or crashed three miles away, these are like the worst aliens ever <laughs> to visit Earth. Yeah. As far as the encounter that the family had, I read as well that one of the who, whichever one, either Lucky or Billy Ray, that had the shotgun, one of the creatures was so close that he point blank shotgunned one of them. I guess at that same time, like if, if that's true, if that really happened, how do you not know what you just point blank shotgunned? Like I just point blank shotgunned an owl and misidentified <laughs> it as a alien. Like how does that happen? Uh-huh. There's so many questions about this. So because of all that for detectability, I actually ranked it a one. And for Lauren Mystique, what do you have? So the lore mystique. So uh, uh, the thing is, the lore mystique for this thing 
this not is less about the creature itself and more about the story. I I think because mm-hmm. we can't really get any information on these things other than aliens. I just want to take the time to talk about how very different the accounts are on these two books that I have. There's the the one that's written by Geraldine Sutton and there's the one written by George Dudding. The 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 Sutton book, it, the story goes pretty much how you told it where Billy Ray's like hesitant to tell the family that he saw something and then when he did, they're like hey, idiot, you probably just saw like a shooting star or something mm-hmm. and whatever. And and, and they, the, you know, the, the language used in the book, in the Geraldine book, is, is straightforward. However, in the George Dunning book, I feel like he took either some artistic liberties or I don't know why he felt the, the need to write the way he did, but he wrote dialogue that's wildly different mm-hmm. from from the dialogue that was mentioned in the Geraldine book. And I guess you could argue that her account or her telling of the story would potentially be the most accurate as she has like she is descendant of people that experience this situation. So she would have the most direct contact with a primary source in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. So so compare compare that to to George uh, to Dudding's um, interpretation, where he writes, "Once Billy Ray saw the 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 thing, he ran back into the house carrying his bucket of water and told the others what he had seen. I just saw a flying saucer land over on the other end of the farm." Yelled Billy Ray. So he's in this telling, he's just telling them outright Mm -hmm. a flying saucer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He wasn't being careful about his words or nothing. I saw a flying saucer. It came right across the sky and landed in that low place over on the other side of the trees, he exclaimed. The entire family stared at him in amazement and uh, Elmer said, Billy Ray, have you gone plum crazy? (laughs) (laughs) And then Billy Ray's response is, no, I know what I seen and I am sure it is one of them there flying saucers they've been talking about. (laughs) Like, this is language that is not found in the Geraldine book at all. <laughs> this is like in those crime dramas, like reenact, like a reenactment moment that he wrote for a book. It's really up and weird. <laughs> yep, yep. And then he goes on to try to convince them to go out there. And Elmer says, Billy Ray, I ain't going out there gallivanting around tonight on account of some of your tomfoolery. <laughs> and, and Billy Ray mumbling, I know what I seen, and that's all there is to it. You just wait and see. It's <laughs> like a threat. <laughs> yeah. So, so the whole dynamic, the, there's the whole thing's different just on that account alone. It's just I don't understand. The the uh, biggest takeaway I have from that story is that Billy Ray had the wherewithal to return back to the house with the bucket of water. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't scared. That was some <laughs> some good, good water, man. <laughs> Ain't nothing stopping me from bringing this well water back. <laughs> but, so yeah, I can't. In my, I haven't seen. I haven't read any of the other books on this stuff, so I don't know how much differences those present. But all in all, because I think it's just uh, all the different variations are focused on just this kind of event and not the actual um, creatures themselves, and there's no 
really no expansion on the creatures like no backstory about them or explanation other than aliens mm-hmm. i um settled on uh two in this instance i think a lot of the other times that i've really ranked things i've very heavily focused on the lore aspect more than the because this is a lore and mystique category yeah and i think for this one the mystique of it all is key in understanding what happened that night because it was only so like a a four hour i think i think gilligan went on a four hour tour (laughs) and he got lost in an island and (laughs) these people had a four hour so effing weird reference gilligan's island but (laughs) it happened um the these this family had a four hour siege from presumably aliens and and then afterwards grandma saw them again and through the window and they were there for a few more hours so i would say maybe a six hour event altogether of actual uh action and like there's not much to build lore wise off of six hours that's very difficult but the mystique of what happened that night is just absurd of like was it is it real did this really Mm -hmm. happen is it is it all made up what were they shooting at they found bullet casings everywhere the house was shot to hell it looked like swiss cheese (laughs) (laughs) like my memory and (laughs) like with so many bullets being shot the family had to have been just absolutely um scared to death of what was happening because my understanding at least from the way that geraldine represents it is that the family was poor so for them to just willy-nilly shoot up the house would make absolutely no sense in any like there would be no world where they would just shoot up their own house and then have to like pay to repair it later on and there was no as far as monetary reasons the family never really benefited from this they in fact ran away like the they moved from the farm because they didn't want to be associated with it. In my understanding of Geraldine's books is that she even outright says, and I think in her intro to the book that she's not really profiting at all because she hardly makes any money from the public, from the sales of the book. There's just so many weird things adding into that night. And in relation to like the government with project blue book, which is a very, uh, like the government sort of chronicalizing ufo investigations and things like that the i believe it's the united states air force came out with a statement that they believed it was a hoax but it had enough credence for the u.s government to look into the i guess allegations of it all and then you get into this whole argument of can you trust them is it are they hiding something and then it just propels the mystique even more based on that so i landed on a 3.75 for lauren mystique and I'm very interested in this one. Cunning and intelligence. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> These things, they're, they don't seem stupid, but they also... But they do. <laughs> yeah. They, I don't know. They it's, don't do it, anything. It's hard to pull intent when they did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. They're just there to observe and... They got caught, I guess. <laughs> Very poor stealth checks. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I'm just going to... I gave them a standard two. You alluded to it earlier in the episode with your five tools you need for a siege. 
which if you did not get that reference, it was related to the movie Signs. And this <laughs> is like Signs to me. They were mm-hmm. foiled by doors and windows. They could not enter the house. So like in Signs, aliens are going to get in the house. Regardless of if they conquered interstellar travel, the stupidity or naivety or imbecileness of the event, like it shows that they slowly floated toward the house like over and over and over and over again like for several hours tells me that these entities they can't handle the responsibility of space travel like they should not they should have either conquered or not done what they done so i ended up rating in the intelligence a one the it was also bringing up signs it was also suggested that i also related it to signs because it was suggested that the aliens, they went away because the sun came up. <laughs> and maybe they didn't like sunlight. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> they. <laughs> so they, <clears throat> they traveled, <laughs> they traveled to this planet, not knowing that we revolve around a star. And that you know, the sunlight's gonna hit the goddamn planet, <laughs> just, just like the aliens and signs didn't know it. There's water on this planet, mm-hmm. and they're allergic to water. <laughs> I mean, we're now becoming a M Night Shyamalan podcast because uh, w- w- he has good ideas, but <laughs> the execution sometimes is abysmal to terrifyingly bad. <laughs> He's trying. I like his movies. (laughs) (laughs) How about impact on pop culture? So this one, this one is uh, interesting because I I looked it up because I'm like, I don't know anything about this being in pop culture. But according to Wikipedia, it's related to one of your hobbies, Angel. You're you're felting with your (laughs) body hair in the Pokemon Sableye. I need yeah. to see a Sableye felted angel original. <laughs> yeah, I, I I saw that. It says the Sableye is somehow based off the, the description of the goblins. I'm like, okay, sure. And then, and then another one is that supposedly the movie, the 1986 movie Critters is somehow relate based no. on the no. Kinsville case. No, it's not. I, I said the same thing. I'm like, what's related? It's on the a aliens farm. come to Earth? A, a farm <laughs> and like Billy Zane gets killed. <laughs> aliens come to Earth on a farm. That's the literally the only thing that they, they have in common. Everything else is these creatures are attacking and killing people. I don't <laughs> see the resemblance at all. But okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> farm and aliens did not first appear with <laughs> the Hopkinsville goblins. I'm sorry. <laughs> and for those of you who haven't seen the movie Critters, I highly recommend them, especially the second one when they all turn into this giant critter ball. It's my favorite <laughs> part of the whole movie. <laughs> so did uh, Bill and Ted's bogus adventure come before Critters or after with Station? Who stole from who? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a, a major trend back in those days, having things <laughs> combined to one. Yeah. You know, the Voltron yeah. style. A kind of like an amalgamation, if you will. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, a composite. A composite. <laughs> um, yeah, so what else? The the 
It came from Kentucky. A, a musical apparently was based off of this. I don't know. I never heard of it. So I don't really. To me, this doesn't scream like it's out there. Everyone's talking about this stuff. And and if you're playing Pokemon and you see Sableye and you think this looks like a Hops- Hopkinsville Goblin, then you're no. probably from Hopkinsville. Yeah. No one, no one knows that. No one knows that at all. <laughs> Nobody's gonna make that connection un- unless you read the wiki page. Uh, <laughs> so I I gave this a one point five. I understand that take on it, that hot take. The the thing that I think hinges most on this is that, for better or worse is that I believe that this was a watershed event in the UFO world, the way that it has impacted that. And then how much UFO, um, I guess, encounters and stories have also impacted pop culture. And at least that is how it's portrayed. And for some people, like this encounter, the Hopkinsville Goblin encounter, is up there with like the Roswell incident. And how much of an impact it has had on alien sort of evidence out there. Yeah. And I, there are like reports and I guess references to this being like a key moment where aliens in the press were referred to as little green men. Whereas before that, it was regulated to like sci fi novels and stuff like that. It was never, it was never yeah. a huge term that like, like little green men, that is one hundred percent. Like you say that word, and people have a very specific picture in their head that has like a visual reaction for some people of like little green men. You that your mind makes one creature out of that. Um, yeah, and that for me that helped. This whole thing helped popularize that statement. And that is probably one of the biggest impacts on pop culture, I think, that we've seen so far in the entities that we looked at. Uh, But with that being said, I could not find a single very specific Hopkinsville Goblin beer, which is a huge, what are you doing, Kentucky? (laughs) Um, There's multiple Little Green Men beers, but that's not the route I took because that's not the entity. It's not Little Green Men. It's very specifically the Goblin. So that was a that was a real bummer, but other things. There's a little green man days. So just like all these other entities we looked at, there is a very specific like festival related mm-hmm. to the entity, which I think is is neat. It becomes a like a very regionalized cultural event for some people, and this stuff helps small towns and like like middle of nowhereville yeah. be relevant and on a a statewide stage or even a national stage. So that sort of stuff I, I like. So I ended up falling on a three for impact on pop Ooh. culture. Yeah. So where did you total up for your score? My total comes out to be 10.5. And I totaled to, if you can believe it or not, an 11.083. Because my 2.33 repeating infinitely uh, impacted that. So a combined score in the for the Hopkinsville Goblin lands us at a ten point seven nine one five. Okay. Wowee. So this beats out the Van Meter Visitor, which goes with my theory of the the less aggressive ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we've gone a few episodes, Angel, where we did not 
delve into the amalgamation corner because those entities or events they just did so well in scoring there was no reason to make them even better but this one our hopkinsville goblin it, it didn't fare too well so how would you make it better to improve its score so my line of thinking is the this the goblin this creature you know, I see it as a kind of like the same creature as the Vanameter Visitor, as the Snotagaster, as the, um, I already forgot what the other one was. Well, anyway, um, and, 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 and the original, the Mothman. And so I feel like because I'm going to treat them all, the, the goblin as the same entity as this thing, mm-hmm. I wanted to have, um, a lineage that's a bit more uh, becoming of something this grand creature, so I imbue it with the 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 abilities and powers and lineage of the Hogzilla. Oh Jesus! <laughs> so we enter into this world where now the goblin can grow to be extremely big in size, mm-hmm. and is in a war with the Nephilim. <laughs> That's why they came to Earth. They had to. They had yep. to destroy the semi-immortal hog peoples. <laughs> yep. And yep. and the Sutton family are Nephilim. <laughs> yes. That's why they're so well liked. Uh huh. This is like a Hatfield McCoy's incident up there in the hills. This is a, a tale as old as time. <laughs> yep. That's a good one. I like that. I think. You know, the, the Sutton family, they went all wrong in this one. They they went out firing guns a-blazing. They should not have done that. They needed a, a, a gentler approach. And there's the little bugger that could in this entity that, you know, he's a little, he's a little rapscallion in his own right. He, he, he rolls down the hill over your neighbor's dog, down your steps, <laughs> the Suchinoko. And if... They had heeded the grandmother's words and had gone to a, you know, a parlay with the the Hopkinsville goblins. They could have just given it some alcohol. They could have sat down at the table. It would have talked like the Suchinoko, and they could have hashed out some grander plan for mankind. But the Sutton family, they screwed it up. They went out with guns first and not alcohol, (laughs) and that's what they should have done. And you, it makes sense because in the books that we have, you know, although it mentions that they're, um, the Langfords were God-fearing, they use that word a lot, God-fearing <laughs> family, strictly religious, no alcohol in the house. Somehow they still had ways of getting that alcohol, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Specifically lucky as a child and kid, like <laughs> apparently I had a shit ton of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm starting to think that well water was a little bit... <laughs> You know, <laughs> oh shit, that's not a well, that's our whiskey. <laughs> and yeah, so that's why uh, Billy Ray came back to the house with the bucket because it wasn't water, it was a bucket yeah, full of whiskey. Gonna, you can't waste that. <laughs> Perhaps the, the goblin was found this well water and, and says, I, I like this stuff, uh-huh. and Billy Ray's taking it from me. We can't have that. Mm-mm. 
And instead of, you know, like you said, having a parlay and saying, hey, we can share the well, they just started shooting at it and it just went downhill from there. Uh, humankind in a nutshell, fighting over alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. As the Hopkinsville goblins make their way out, maybe perhaps our curiosities would like to make their way in to our Twitter lives by following us. They're going to say hearts. <laughs> By following us at Cracking Curios, and you can heart our tweets. And, you know, you can tweet at us with a hashtag Cracked Cryptids. Make sure to include at Dan Aykroyd in those uh, tweets, especially this episode. I mean, he is. This could be the a, one. This could be yeah, the one where we could get Dan is. Aykroyd to respond. <laughs> Maybe even uh, give him a mention at about his crystal head vodka. Yeah, he loves to talk self, about that. <laughs> self-proclaimed ufologist. Or his new movie, uh, Vampire Busters, that I mentioned in the last episode. <laughs> that wasn't a joke? No, it's happening. Oh, my God. I got to watch this. Uh, so, <laughs> and so, so yeah, make sure you include him. And, and you know what? Include Demi Lovato as well. She's into this stuff at DD Lovato. Come on. Bring her in on the conversation. We need a... Uh, we need all, all the help we can get. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Cracking Cryptids. So remember, on Twitter, we're Cracking Curios. On Instagram, we're at Cracking Cryptids. And you can also email us, crackingcryptidsandcurios at gmail.com. And make sure, if you're not already following us or subscribe to us um, on our your favorite streaming platform to stream all of your podcasts, it's just... Look us up. We're on Amazon. We're on Stitcher. We're on Audible, Spotify. We're on Google, iHeartRadio, Apple, iTunes. We're on all the best ones just for you folks. We're on our main, our main site's on podbean.com if you want to check that out. I've never said this one before, but it's cracking cryptids and curios.podbean.com. It's only season three. <laughs> it's only season three. And as always, we are, we'll choo-choo, <laughs> I can't even come up with something, nah, and as always, toodles, <laughs> nah. <laughs>